0: Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Father Andrew Mattingly. I am a Catholic priest in Kansas City, Missouri, and this is a podcast where I post homilies and random other stuff that I might teach or speak about. Hope you find something useful and maybe even inspiring. God bless you. All right. So our Gospel today comes from the 10th chapter of St. Matthew. And to understand it, we have to uh, go back to the passage immediately prior to it. What we have in today's Gospel is Jesus giving a lot of encouragement to the Twelve to not be afraid of persecution. The reason that He's giving them this encouragement is because in the verses immediately prior, he tells them in no uncertain terms that they will be persecuted. <laughs> uh, and so the, he follows that up by giving them some encouragement. So the, the passage before this, before today's gospel, is the one where he says, look, you guys are going to be led before kings and governors. Uh, you, you know, brother is going to hand over brother to death. Children are going to hand over their parents to death. You will be hated by everyone because of my name. Uh, but if you persevere to the end, you will be saved. Right? So he says all of that immediately prior to today's gospel, where three times he tells them to not be afraid. And you can understand why. Right? He wasn't painting a particularly delightful prospect <laughs> for their future of what it was going to look like. Uh, To follow him as disciples. Hey, I know you guys have had a great time following me around and listening to my teachings and watching me do miracles, Uh, but just so you know, like later on, people are going to torture and kill you. (laughs) Are you okay with that? (laughs) Right? And then he gives them some, some encouragement, right? He gives them some encouragement. And there are probably four specific ways he encourages them in the gospel today that could be drawn out. I'm going to just highlight three of them. Two of them, two of the reasons that our Lord gives to the apostles for why they should not be afraid of this coming persecution that they will have to face. Uh, Two of the reasons he gives have to do with looking ahead to the end of time. There's sort of like an eschatological a couple eschatological reasons why they shouldn't be afraid. And then he also gives them a reason to not be afraid that regards how God will help them or be with them in the very moment of suffering, of persecution. Right, so, so I want to just point out these, these three things. So one of the first things he says is he says, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body only but cannot kill the soul. Then he says, rather be afraid of the one who can cast both body and soul into Gehenna. What is he saying here? The Lord is saying to his twelve, look, when you're being tortured and killed, you're going to be tempted to think that the people doing this to you have complete and total power over you in that moment. That's what it's going to feel like. I've never been tortured before but I imagine if I was it would probably feel like the person doing it had complete and total power over me. So Jesus here is telling his Apostles in that moment I want you to remember that that's an illusion that they have complete and total power over you. They only have power over your body but not over your soul. That is left free. So there's no reason then, he says, to be afraid of somebody who only has power over the body, who's only persecuting you in that way. He says, rather, the one it makes sense to fear, in sort of a healthy way, is the one who does have complete power over both body and soul, which is God himself. The one who, at the end of time, will Pass, pass judgment on all of humanity. He says it does make sense to have a good, not an unhealthy fear, but a good fear of, of him. So that's the first thing, encouragement uh, that he gives them. Somebody who's persecuting you, their power over you is incomplete. And, and he wants his apostles to remember that. The second thing that he, he says to them, he gives them this very interesting analogy with sparrows. He goes into this sort of, what feels like a, a, a bit of a tangent. And there's a number of things here to highlight. And this is where the Lord really wants them to know how much the Father will be with them in the midst of their persecution, in the midst of their suffering. He wants them to know how much the Father will be with them and to illustrate Uh, this very consoling truth, he gives this interesting sparrow analogy. So he chooses a sparrow probably for a number of reasons, one of which it seems to be a somewhat insignificant bird, right? Sort of the lowest. Uh, You know, he didn't choose an eagle or something, right? He uh, He says, are not two sparrows sold for a small coin? And here, too, Jesus is going to extremes to make a point. He's saying it's not even just, you know, one sparrow (laughs) that is worth the smallest possible monetary value. Apparently, perhaps at the time, a sparrow was considered so worthless that to even get basically a penny for it, you had to have at least two sparrows. So he's he's really drawing out sort of the... (laughs) the the fact that he's choosing the least valuable like animal that he can think of. (laughs) Uh, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And then he goes on to say, and not one of them, not two sparrows, but not even one of them, sparrows worth half a penny, not one of them falls to the ground without your father's knowledge. Not one of them falls to the ground without your father's knowledge. In other words, the care of God the Father for every single one of his creatures, even the smallest, covers their whole life. Not one sparrow, not one of this sort of half penny worth animal, not one of them falls to the ground without your father's knowledge. And then he, he goes on to say, for you, who are infinitely more valuable than sparrows. For you, every hair of your head has been counted. I was reading a commentary on this passage, and the author noted something that I'd I'd never really thought about before that I found quite beautiful. He said, notice how Jesus doesn't say, uh, the Lord knows every hair on your head, but that he's Counted every hair on your head he's, he's done something active and then the, the commentator went on to say to count hairs on someone's head requires that you run your hand through their hair and the, the point being Jesus again is trying to get his Apostles to understand that the intimately close relationship and love and providential care that the Father has for them He's counted every hair on your head. All right. Therefore, do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. All right. So he's giving them this incredibly consoling uh, reminder. He says, hey, when you guys are being persecuted, remember that your father, it's going to feel like he's aloof, that he's indifferent, that he doesn't care what you're experiencing, remember that that is false. That since not even a sparrow falls to the ground without his knowledge, he is watching over every single moment of whatever persecution that you might go through. He is not absent from that. He's not distant. He's not just off on his throne. The Father is is very present to you in that persecution. And you can imagine how consoling that would be later on when all of these guys are being tortured in indescribable ways, right, as they undergo their martyrdoms. Any of you familiar with the different types of martyrdom that the 11 apostles uh, underwent? Uh, John, they tried to martyr him a couple times, didn't work. Um, so He's the only one that actually didn't, didn't die from martyrdom. But the rest of them, I mean, gruesome, gruesome stuff. And you can imagine how in the moments of their, their, their persecution, their suffering, it would have been consoling to, to remind themselves of these words. Uh, okay, every hair on my head is counted. The Father is here with me. He's not absent. Right? He's present with me in the suffering. He hasn't abandoned me. Because right? those would be their temptations uh, in, in the midst of that. A third thing our Lord... Mentions in this passage that I'll just draw your attention to uh, that he uses to encourage the twelve he gives a solemn proclamation he says whoever acknowledges me before others I will acknowledge before my heavenly father and whoever denies me before others I will deny before my heavenly father very solemn thing the, the Greek word that's used here for acknowledge, I will acknowledge, uh, and they will be acknowledged, uh, is sort of a word commonly used for public testimony given in a court setting. So so when the, the readers of the New Testament uh, would have heard this, you know, Greek readers, they would have thought, okay, whoever Give, whoever just doesn't randomly say, oh yeah, I acknowledge Jesus. <laughs> what, what he means here is whoever is bold enough and, and willing to give public testimony that they're a follower of mine, I will, I will say the same of them in the presence of my Heavenly Father right at the end of time. right. Whoever's willing to give this public testimony. And a commentator I was reading on this actually said that, that this Greek word You can loosely connect it to sort of an Aramaic turn of phrase as well which would have been even more sort of again intimate and and relational Um, and it would read something more more along these these lines it would say it would be whoever declares that they belong to me right whoever declares that they belong to me I will declare that that person belongs to me before my Heavenly Father, right? This sort of intimate bond, right? So the question here is, you know, are the apostles willing to acknowledge publicly that they belong, that they are yoked to, that they are disciples of, that they're, you know, of, of Jesus, right? Are they, are they willing to acknowledge that? Um, and he gives them this consolation He says, if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to publicly profess that you belong to me, well, no matter what suffering and torture you may undergo, when you die, you will hear the sweet, sweet words of me professing in front of my Father and at the general judgment in front of all of mankind. You will hear me, your Master and Lord, profess that I know you right, that you belong to me, right, whereas if you deny me, you guys, you twelve, if you deny me, it'll end up being the, the opposite case, which we hear elsewhere in the gospel, you know, Lord, we, we ate, you ate and drank in our streets, right, and he says, amen, I say to you, I, I do not know you, I do not know you. So he's giving them this encouragement saying, if you're willing to do that (laughs) and face the consequences, if you're willing to publicly profess you belong to me and face the consequences, this will be your reward, right? The sweetness, (laughs) the sweetness of those words from Jesus when we die will be beyond anything like we felt in this life. Come you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So the Lord is giving all of this encouragement to the apostles who are going out into a very hostile environment and ultimately who face their their death for publicly professing Jesus Christ. So then we look at us in our current day and age and our world is not quite as hostile as the ancient Roman Empire was at that time. Uh, although it's moving in that direction. So I think it's helpful for us to keep these these things in mind for ourselves as well. You know, you you might divide persecution into soft and hard persecution. Soft persecution would be when it's just not really culturally acceptable anymore uh, to have like a Christian or Catholic worldview or way of life. And we're more or less there in many parts of our country some parts of our country, not so much, more rural areas, parts of the South. It's still more culturally acceptable to have a Christian worldview and to live a Christian way of life than the opposite. But in many places, like in Kansas City, for example, you know, we're slowly moving in the direction where it's less and less culturally acceptable um, to be Christian, to be Catholic. And so there's sort of a soft persecution in that, you know, if you have the courage to publicly state that you belong to Jesus in certain contexts, work, maybe some extended family environments, you know, other places, uh, you might invite a little bit of scorn, perhaps, a little bit of being looked down upon, um, perhaps even something, you know, more dramatic. So this is soft persecution. And Jesus gives all of you the same encouragement that he gave his apostles. He says, don't be afraid of that. Don't be, like, don't be afraid of weird looks. Don't be afraid of, you know, people thinking less of you. Like, none of that matters. All that matters is your father's opinion of you. That's it. Don't, don't care about what the world thinks of you. Don't care if, if you, know, there's a, you know, it gets a little awkward, for example, <laughs> in a conversation or, or, or worse things than that like don't worry about those things and then you know we have what you might call hard persecution which is when believers begin to be uh, attacked in kind of more material ways so this could look like the loss of a job it could look like fines uh, jail time and of course the extreme example is actual martyrdom now some of these aspects of hard persecution have begun to take shape uh, in small ways in our culture some pro-life advocates that you probably know of uh, did some jail time in the past uh, year or two um, we have I, I know of a number of people that because their conscience no longer allowed them to operate within a certain profession or a certain area of their profession either they were they were sort of forcefully ousted from their job or they voluntarily just said I can't I can't fulfill this profession anymore because it's in violation of my conscience because of what I'm being asked to do, right? So, so those types of situations are becoming somewhat more common. Um, and again, our Lord's advice here is exactly the same as what soft gives. he says, don't worry, like don't be afraid. Um, these things can seem intimidating, but look, I've counted every hair on your head. Like, any suffering you go through, I'll be with you. Just remember the reward that you'll receive in eternal life, right? Etc. 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 The Lord does not want us to live in fear. Um, so that would be my my encouragement to you. Don't be afraid to uh, acknowledge the Lord, to publicly profess him among family members, co-workers, friends. We don't need to be jerks about it. But but we shouldn't be afraid, when the opportunity arises, to say, Yeah, I belong to Jesus. That's who I belong to. He's my Lord. Not the world, not my job, not someone else, Jesus is my Lord, right? We we shouldn't be afraid to say that that we belong to Him, right? right? So whether soft persecution, hard persecution, doesn't really make a difference. Um, let's all not be afraid to profess the Lord. And the beautiful thing I'll mention here at the very end is that persecutions always backfire in the end. If you study history, you know this, right? A culture may begin to like uh, come down on, on Christianity or Catholicism in different ways. Uh, but in the end, all it does is produce more fervent apostles, more converts, right? It, it always, always backfires. So we really don't, I mean, even in this life, we really don't have anything to be, uh, to be worried about, um, whatever, whatever may come. Uh, Jesus is our Lord, and we have nothing to be afraid of.